Last week, we, uh, we began a series called Ephesians, A Life of Spiritual Blessing. And uh, it's from the New Testament book of Ephesians. And so today we're going to continue that, uh, moving into chapter 2. And we're going to see how, through God's gift of grace, each of us can become God's masterpiece. So let's begin by reading today's scripture passage. We're going to look at uh, Ephesians 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 22. If you've got your Bible, uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Uh, the, the words will be up on the, uh, the screen as well. So uh, Ephesians 2, starting with verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh, the law, with its commands and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through Christ, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached to peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. Okay, as we look at these, this, this chapter two, right, these first few verses, Paul makes it clear that we've all got a problem, okay? We aren't anything even close to being God's masterpiece, right? And that's, that's because, in fact, we were so far away 
from him, because of sin, it says that we were actually spiritually dead. Verse one, verse 1 explains that due to our transgressions and sins, that's our problem. Now, at first I thought, well, why does he, you know, that's kind of like piling on, isn't it? You know, transgressions and sins, you know. Why, why couldn't he have just said you're in trouble because of your sins? But, you know, I, I looked into it, and those words have slightly different meanings, okay? Transgressions, the root of the word transgressions, has to do with missing the mark, Okay? while the root meaning of sins has to do with slipping away. And isn't that really what we do in our lives? We, we either we're missing the mark, or we're just slipping away. So actually, it's a good thing he said that, because we got those, that's our problem. We have both those things going on. It describes a way of life, though, as we can see it, that's contrary to the Word of God. And it, and it talks about then, following that, the authority... That, uh, of, that's described of that power in three ways. It's in terms of the power in the world, its spiritual nature, and its activity in human lives. It describes a way of life that is contrary to God's plan. And it's one that permeates the entire unbelieving population and holds them in captivity. Verse 3 tells us that all of us, we all lived among that group. We were all there, at least at one time. And as a result, we were deserving of God's wrath. Then in verse 4, he moves on, he says, We have one of the most wonderful words ever found in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned. This is very theological here, okay? okay? Verse 4 starts off with one of my favorite words in all of Scripture, and it's but. Because no matter, no matter how bad it was, we were in trouble, but for God. There's so many times. It, think of the times, and we've talked about this before. There's some of us here that wouldn't even be alive today, but for God. Okay, well, thank goodness. One more time here. There's this, it starts off with this but, and it says, in spite of all that sinfulness, in spite of all our Failures in spite of all our turning away from God. Verse 4 says, but because of his great love for us. Man, aren't you thankful that even on your worst day of your life, God loved you? I mean, that is amazing. That's just amazing. God in his mercy made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in sin. Because goes on to say, it is by grace you've been saved. The next verses tell us that God not only saved us, but he's also raised us up from the dead in Christ, and he seated us with him in heavenly realms. Hopefully, if we just think about that for a second, hopefully we'll all understand how incredible that really is. How incre- that's, that's actually incredible. When we become followers of Jesus Christ, God not only cancels our sin and as a result raises us up from spiritual death, but he also gives us special seats. <laughs> he gives you special seats. Okay? You know, if, if, I could, if I could afford to go to a professional football game, I'd be sitting in the cheapest seats of the place because that's probably all I could afford if I could get a ticket at all. You know? But... But when we come to Christ, he doesn't tell us, hey, you know what? 
glad you're here, but you just barely made it in. So, you know, you kind of sit, kind of sit near the door because you just, you just barely, no, you know, what he's, he brings us and he seats us. We're seated with Christ. He gives us special seats. That's how much he loves us. We're seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. You and I didn't deserve it, but that's how much he loves us. Verse 9 goes on to talk about the fact that none of this is by works so that no one can boast. Okay, have you guys, have you ever known anybody that just can't wait to tell you how good they are? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just every last good thing, you know, they, they just want to tell you how good they are, how much they've accomplished, how much they know, or they want to count out their money in front of you and tell you how much money they got, or they want to make sure you know they just bought their third 150-inch TV. You know, they just want, they just, you just, they just got to tell you how good they are, okay? God understood that since we were born into a sinful world with a sinful nature, that if he had made, if he had made a path to him that you could attain by works, and you could do it, that the folks who attained it, instead of being thankful, would be proud. And they'd say, look what I did, instead of saying, look what God did. So John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So no matter how smart you are, how successful you are, how capable you are, on your own, you cannot attain salvation. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. You can only receive it as a gift from God through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 10 calls you and me God's handiwork. I love that word, God's handiwork. Another translation calls us his workmanship. His workmanship. In, in the Greek, this word can also be translated as creation. We are God's creation. Interestingly, this particular word is only found one other place in the New Testament, used that way. In Romans 1.20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So it's for since creation. So when God created the world. Humanity was his making at the beginning. And now, because it's been spoiled by sin, what we need is a new divine act of creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Aren't you thankful that even though your life may have gotten off to a rough start, and you may have even done some things that scarred your life, and that those things put you off God's path for your best, that when we come to Jesus by faith, the scripture promises us he not only forgives us, but that a second 
creation uh, a second creation process takes place. He makes us new. Like the verse said, we are a new creation. I'm really thankful for that because just think about it. It's, if we weren't a new creation, we'd just be like the old person with a new coat, coat of paint. You know? So when God makes us a new creation, how does that affect us? What does that mean for you, that God has made you a new creation? You're free from the old stuff. Yeah. Well, we, we begin to see things the way God sees. Yeah. We, we, it, it changes our perspective. It changes how we see our lives, right? It'll also change how we see our future. Okay. In fact, each one of us, when we become that new creation, we appear to God as his masterpiece. Now, most of us probably never thought of ourselves that way. <laughs> Have you ever thought of yourselves as God's masterpiece? <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe not, right? We probably never thought of ourselves that way, but I believe that's how God sees you and me. Because when God sees us, God looks at us as the person he created us to be, right? Fully operating in all our potential. And that's a masterpiece. Then the next verse is gone, and they describe this amazing account of reconciliation. Okay. Have you ever known two people, or maybe two groups of people, and they just get so crossways with each other that, that you just wouldn't think there would ever be any way for it to get sorted out, for them to ever get back together, get reconciled? No way for them to ever work their way through it or to overcome what their differences were. Uh, that's precisely the situation that was going on that he describes between the Gentiles and the Jews. So now, we talk about the word reconciliation. Okay? What does that word mean to you? What does it mean to be reconciled? Yeah, coming to an agreement. Okay. Yeah, what does it mean to reconcile, like, your checkbook? <laughs> yeah, you know, when we, if you, at the end of the month, right, if you reconcile your checkbook, right, you get all the pluses and minuses, and hopefully there's still some pluses, you know, when it's all done. But it, but it brings it back into alignment. Okay, it brings it back together. And so when we become... We're, our, our sinful lives, we're out of balance. We're out of, with God. He brings us back and reconciles us, okay? And, that was, and, and there was also this problem between the Jews and the Gentiles. They both needed to be reconciled to God as well as to each other. On the surface, that would seem to be impossible. Truth is, that's the same problem we all have as individuals because our sin has separated us from God and that gap is eternally great. It's eternally great. Every one of us is in need of being reconciled to God, to be brought back into that relationship. And that's only possible through the blood of Jesus. Thankfully, in verse 13, we also read, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far, far away, 
You were brought near by the blood of Christ. It's interesting, that, that, that comment that about you were far away, again, looked into that a little bit. And really the meaning behind that, if we kind of put it in the way you and I talk every day, that meaning of far away, it means you're not from around here. That's, that's really the concept that it conveys, is you're not from around here. Okay? It, I mean, it's one thing, because far away makes me think you're like, you know, in Wyoming. But you know what? We can be in the same room and still be far away. Right? And especially you get it when you get the concept of what it really means behind it is you're not from around here. You're not like us. You're not one of us, whatever that means for people, okay? So it goes on to say, though, that Jesus himself is our peace, who has made those two groups one, and he destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. And he brought both of them to God through the cross. Subsequent verses tell us that Jesus destroyed the dividing wall of hostility and his purpose was to create one new humanity out of the two. Goes on and confirms that because of Jesus Christ's work on the cross, all of us who receive him as our Lord and Savior are no longer foreigners or strangers. We're no longer not from around here. Okay? We're like local. We're, we like, we're like in the city. We're like in the group. Okay? fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. When we become followers of Jesus, again, he doesn't just keep us at the back door, barely let us in. He gives us these special seats. He brings us in. But that's not even all. He now then calls us fellow citizens. He, you know, a lot of us might sometimes feel like we deserve that he might, you know, maybe we snuck in, but we just kind of hope he doesn't, like, call on us. For anything because you know we don't feel but he's saying no you've become fellow citizens and you're so much a fellow and a fellow citizen means somebody who lives around but he actually brings us into the house I mean aren't you thankful that God has not only saved you given you eternal life but you get to be with him but he's also not only brings you into his kingdom but he brings you into his house and he gives you special seats sitting next with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's really pretty cool. That's really pretty cool. Look, um, that also means, because he does that, that we are no longer spiritually dead, are we? No, we've been saved by grace, and we've been equipped to do those good works fully reconciled, and when you consider that, that is a spiritual masterpiece. So now, some of you that are here today or watching on the live stream might be thinking, well, that sounds pretty good. I'd, I'd like to be God's spiritual masterpiece, but considering where I'm at right now, I don't feel like one. I, I don't see how, and I don't really see how to become one. So let's just take the next couple minutes and let's consider how we can become God's masterpiece, okay? First thing we gotta do is recognize we have a problem. We've all got this problem. We're incapable and we're unqualified to solve it because most of us know that it's called sin. 
And today's passage told us that its impact was separation and exclusion from God and from being a part of his household. And it says we were spiritually dead. Isaiah 59.2 confirms it. It says, but your iniquities have separated you uh, from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you and he won't hear. So as a result, whether we realize it or not, without Jesus, we face each day without the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have any help in getting through the challenges we face, which means we're left without hope. We also then miss out on becoming God's masterpiece, becoming everything that he created us to be. By the way, there could be people that you know I'm sure none of you would feel this way, but you might know somebody who'd say, well, but you know, but I'm not so bad. I'm actually a pretty good person. You know, I do some pretty good things. But in spite of that, what we know is that Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how good we've been, no matter how hard we've tried, it's still not. We can't achieve God's perfection any other way. So, first step in becoming God's masterpiece is to recognize that there's this problem called sin, and it's in your way. So, then the second thing is to become that new creation. And we do that by, by receiving God's gift of grace. God's grace is the foundation of our salvation. We receive God's gift of salvation becoming a follower of Jesus. You don't earn it. You just receive it. And the good news is that it's available to everyone at any time. Here's another thing that I'm really thankful for. And this may have been important for some of us in our lives. Aren't you glad you're never too far away from God for him to receive you? I, I, I forget whether I read this or heard somebody say it, but I heard this recently. It was said, you, you, can get, you can find yourself a million miles away from God, and yet if you just turn around, he's there. I'm so thankful. God loves you and me so much that the minute we call out to him, we turn, and he's there. You know? So... We're never too far away from God for him to receive us, to be reconciled to God, to be at peace with God, to become spiritually alive, and to become his new creation. Here's the thing that also ought to encourage us. You know, Jesus never removes anything from our lives without replacing it with something better. Okay? Jesus never removes anything from your life without replacing it with something better. So when he removes the sin, the hostility, the separation from God, he replaces it with fellowship with God. He seats us with Jesus Christ in heavenly realms and he fills us with his peace. He fills us with his righteousness. And in doing so, we're beginning that process of becoming God's masterpiece. Finally, to become God's masterpiece, we too want to promote unity. 
What do you, how would you describe unity? I mean, what, when we say unity, what do, you, what do you think that means? I'm sorry? Agreement. agreement. Yeah, unity, agreement. Anything else? Coming together. Coming together. Yeah, coming together. Who, who can, can people be very different and still have unity? Yeah. Can people of different cultural backgrounds find unity? Can people of socioeconomic background differences find unity? Yeah. Does, it, does that sound, does the world want you to think that's natural? No. A lot of the world seems to work really hard at getting people to be divided and separated and in camps where they look at each other and point at each other and, and decide they don't like each other. And yet Jesus came and it said to take those two groups, those thousands of groups, you know, any number, and bring them all together in one through his death on the cross. Everyone who was far away has been brought near. So we want to be people who promote unity. And you know one of the first ways we do that is it says in the scripture we read a moment ago that we were saved by grace. One of the first ways things we can do to promote unity is give other people a little grace. Right? Give other people a little grace. Very, uh, you know, non-theologically, I just might say, sometimes we need to cut people a little slack. Sometimes we want to hold people to a standard that's even higher than we live ourselves. Okay? So, one way to start is giving grace to others. We could also tell them about Jesus. And you know what? You may not know all the verses and all the scriptures and all that, but you know what you can do? You can tell them what Jesus has done for you. Just tell them what Jesus has done in your life. The enemy is all about divide and conquer. The enemy is everything Satan does. If you really will just stop and think about it, try you know evaluate it for a second, what you'll come up with and understand is that his whole deal, his whole M.O. is divide and conquer. It's get people not like each other, get people not talk to each other, get people not want to work together, get people to, in fact, to come to hate each other. Because if he can do that, he wins. And so he tries to divide and conquer marriages, families, churches, even play in your place of work. He'll try to get people divided and conquered there. Okay? But God has reconciled us to himself. In verse 20, it tells us that built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus as the chief cornerstone, he's created unity, a unified church. Okay? Believers. Look, when, when we live in unity in our lives, we're strong. We're strong. A unified church is a strong church in the same way that a unified family is a strong family. Technology has made the, uh, the world a, a neighborhood, right? Today, you know, you can pull out your phone and 
FaceTime somebody halfway around the world and be there right now. Okay, that's, that's a neighborhood, if you will. But what God has asked us to do is to make it a brotherhood. People who actually care about one another, have relationship with one another, and are unified in our faith. Considering the diversity of our world, I think we'd all agree then, I mean, because there's a way when you think about how different everybody is around the world and different beliefs and all these things, that that can only happen if there's a supernatural unity. So when we become followers of Jesus, we become that new creation. We become one in heart. So we're still very different people, right? We may look different. We may eat different food. We may like different music. We may, you know, there's, there can be, right? There can be lots of different things. But those, those things that the world wants to use and point to as why we're different and ought to not like each other, when God gives us all a new heart, one heart, we're unified. Because when you look at me or when I look at you, what I see is the love of Jesus. And that will bring the unity that God desires for all of us to experience. Supernaturally, we become unified with other believers as each of us becomes a dwelling, as it says in that scripture, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Okay, so today, if there's anybody here that realized that you're still separated from God, this could, that, that means you're spiritually dead. If you're watching online, it means you're spiritually dead. So if you want to do something about it, if you'd like to make a decision to become a follower of Jesus and become that new creation and start on that path to becoming God's masterpiece, you could do that. Would you guys stand with me as we get ready to close? I'd just like everybody to stand and you bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want a chance for people to make a decision here today. Don't want to miss this. Or if you're watching on the live stream, you can decide to. Just nobody looking around. But if today you still need to make that decision to become a follower of Jesus and go beyond spiritual death but into life, it's only something that Jesus can do. Just raise your hand. Say, yep. Today, that's me. Okay. Thank you. Now, here's the other question. You could be thinking, well, I've been a follower of Jesus, maybe even for a long time, but I've drifted away from being God's best, from being on that path. And I want to get back on the path to becoming the person that God created me to be because I want to be his masterpiece. So today, if that would be you, just raise your hand. Okay, yeah. Lord, today, you see our hands. Father, today, we come before you, Lord, unified, asking you, Lord, to help us get back on the path. Lord, we lay down all the things that we've allowed to distract us. We choose to lay those down. And Lord, we, we choose to pick up your word and your truth. Lord, we want to become the people that you created us to be so that we can do effectively, serve effectively all those things that you created us to do. Lord, we want to honor you, and Lord, we want to be 
your masterpiece, your new creation. Guide us each day, Lord, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another and agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen.